0: Turn with me now, friends, to the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 23, verse 39, and up to 43, verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, Save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the true reward of our deeds. This man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say to thee. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so we come on to this third saying of the Lord Jesus from the cross that we will consider. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise isn't this worth considering as we seek to prepare our hearts to receive the elements and symbols of christ's sacrifice for us perhaps we can Tentatively consider three points here. We look at the thieves' theology. Remember that these two thieves began in agreement. What is the thieves' theology? What is their theology? And then there is the thief's repentance, one of them, as you know. Repented. And then from there we will look through the thief's eyes at the thief's savior. The thief's theology. Well, you know, friends, that we're all thieves. Ever since Adam reached out with Eve, and took the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we have become a race of thieves. Some people and cultures, remember, in Africa are getting a reputation for being a, a race of thieves. But it doesn't apply to one race. We are all guilty, we live a life of theft. Every sinner is a person who is living a life which he has, you can say, stolen from God. Every life that is not lived in obedience and service for the God who made him has taken that life and used it And that's our nature. That's the nature of you as a sinner. And so it's no wonder that this thieves' theology comes to a false theology about the saviour of the world who is here before them. And today we can call this one that we're considering A kingly Savior. We've thought of a compassionate Savior, a caring Savior. Let's look at a kingly Savior. That's why we read there in John. When Pilate said, Are you a king? He said, Thou sayest, You're right. But my kingdom is not of this world. Here is a king. And here is a thief, two thieves. And their approach and their attitude to Jesus condemns them. First of all, the the confession of this thief is this. He says Are you the Jews Messiah? If you are, if thou be Christ. In other words, the Christ, as you know, is the Greek word for Messiah, which is the Hebrew word for the Anointed, the Chosen One of God, the Chosen Deliverer, the Chosen King, the Anointed, the Lord's anointed. If you are the Lord's anointed, because these men have been captured, along with Barabbas, for conspiring to resist Rome, the authority of Rome, and serve the the prospect of an idea that they had, that the Messiah is on his way. We must prepare the way of the Lord. We must prepare the way by violence. And so they became malefactors. They became guilty of murder. They became guilty of theft and robbery. As it says in one place, they were robbers. And so their false theology brought them into this false, violent life. And uh, so this man said mockingly, "Maybe you're the man we're looking for. We're here together on the cross. You're in the place that Barabbas, our leader, should have. You're there in the middle of us. So um, let's let's pretend that you are the Messiah. You're not impressing me. So it's a bit of a joke, really. And you're there in the middle." of this mockery and so this thieves theology reckoned Jesus as a a false messiah an impotent messiah and friends that's the way we regard him all of us if we do not recognize him as our total Lord and Master. If we haven't reached that point where we say, Lord, I'm yours, all that I have is thine. Like Zacchaeus, who was a thief, wasn't he? He said, all my goods I give to the poor. Why? Because he wanted to please one who we recognised as the Messiah and Lord. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. Why? Because Zacchaeus gave the evidence of regeneration, of commitment to serve. Just as Paul in Damascus rode when he was confronted and couldn't deny that he was now facing the one that he thought was an imposter but now realized was the true king of the Jews, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I'm here to do whatever you ask. I submit to my Lord. But these thieves, (laughs) excuse me, (laughs) like all of us who fail to obey the Lord's commands, We are mocking the Messiah. We've got a false Messiah. We've got a false impression of Jesus. We think little or less of him. And to think of less of him than we should is to deny him. I had a problem with um, a lady down in the south of Scotland who was attending our church then I discovered, she said, oh, Jesus is the Son of God, but he's, he's not God. He never said he was God. And try as I would, with all the scriptures I could, she would not recognize that this Son of God was indeed the only begotten of the Father. He was of the same nature. Being begotten, he couldn't be anything else. But partake of the divinity of the Father. No. And so she robbed Christ. She was a robber. She was robbing Christ of his full glory. Oh, friends, give Christ the glory that belongs to him. Give he the glory to the Lord that to his name is due. Come into his courts and bring an offering. With you are you giving Christ the full messiahship are you prepared to give him all the honor and glory and thanksgiving and praise of which the lamb is worthy so this thief was a true was following his reputation he was robbing this Jesus of his messiahship and he was mocking he was joining And also doing, he was joining many others. Didn't we read of how they walked by, shaking their heads, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself, can come down from the cross. And so the thief was only taking up the refrain. He was capturing the mind of these Jews. These Jews that, of, of whom Jesus wept over and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, would that you would come to me and I would gather you. As a hen gathers the chickens under her wings. But ye would not. And so they were mockering the Jews. <clears throat> With the Jews, they were mocking and rejecting the Saviour. Not this man. That's what we're saying if we're not receiving and falling down and saying, my Lord, my God, can we all do that? This Thieves' theology was the Jews Messiah, the Jews' mockery and the Jews' misery. Were these people happy? Was it giving them joy to mock, to make a joke of this? Well, they were laughing. But what kind of laughter? It was hollow laughter, wasn't it? Oh, what misery belongs to those who adopt the thieves' theology. Oh, I warn you, friends that is a void at all cost, reducing the majesty and mercy of the Saviour in any way by refusing to obey and refusing to receive all that he offers in the Gospel. But friends, one of these thieves, greatly and marvellously changed. We look at the thieves' repentance here What was the change that, of mood and tune and testimony of this penitent thief? The first thing he said is, we are guilty. That was the starting point of this marvellous, glorious change. He made a confession. We are guilty. Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, we receive the true reward of our deeds. What a change. Here's a man that thought he was a, a <clears throat> patriot, a great <clears throat> hero of his cause of liberation when we were in south africa there was a great uh, political change took over when the uh, rule of the white men was uh, given up but and many of the many of the clerics many of the churchmen were wholeheartedly in favor of this liberty and lived to regret it like Bishop Tutu uh, did and why was this it's because my friends they didn't see that they were also guilty, yes they pointed the finger and quite rightly at the white man's um, doctrine but they were not willing to see their own failings And they made it all a political gospel and forgot, they forgot that the only freedom comes through confession of our sins. We are guilty. Is there anyone here tonight, this morning, friend, who is not saying, you know this, I feel so guilty. If only I wasn't guilty the way I am. This man was overwhelmed with a sense I deserve to be here I deserve to suffer I deserve to be condemned I deserve to be rejected and to be failed all my efforts these are a mockery not this man they're a mockery of my upbringing as a Jew in the truth of God we are guilty The next thing he said because we must be his on he is godly powerful truths gripped this man's soul when he looked at jesus and compared himself he said god be merciful to me a sinner and then he said he is godly <clears throat> This man has done nothing amiss. How much did he know about Jesus? Seems he hadn't met him before now. (coughs) But in the short while, in his company, bit by bit, the persuasion and truth had borne into his soul, this man is innocent. He has done nothing amiss. He claims to be the Son of God and he is entitled to it. He claims to be a witness to the truth and he is a true witness. He claims to be the Christ of God And I cannot any longer deny it, because I heard him say, I heard him say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. What extraordinary mercy and grace. It just overwhelmed him when he was squirming and shrieking And cursing as he was crucified, he noticed this man quietly cried to one above whom he called his father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This changed his heart, as the gospel does to us. Are we here today, friends, because... We have looked at the Saviour. We have viewed and heard his ministry, his wonderful words that proceeded out of his mouth. We've heard of his wonderful works. We've seen him come to this cross of shame. And we've heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we say this of a truth. Is the son of the living God. This is my Lord and my God. He is godly. All that he is and all that he claims demands my allegiance and my faith. He is godly. Thirdly, we can say about the thief's repentance... He said, "We are guilty, He is godly, and I am." And I put in here, "I am grasping his grace. I wish we could all see that together. I am grasping his grace." The thief's hands were nailed to the cross, but the hands of his soul were reaching out and saying... I want that grace, you've got it, and I want it, I'm reaching out for it. Lord, remember me, when you come into your kingdom, a gracious king, I would give everything for you, but what I need is something from you, remember me what does this tell you it tells you of course that he's come to with a powerful conviction that this man is is a king not over only over life but over death this cross is a gateway which is opening into his everlasting kingdom And here am I on this cross doomed to hell unless as he enters in he has this word I'll bring you. I'll bring you with me. I'm entering in and you will be there too. And so he grasps this grace. Friends, all of us here who are remembering his death are doing so because We know it entitles us to partake of the bread in the kingdom of God, doesn't it? You're taking it as a token, an intimation, an invitation to sit down in the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so I am grasping... As I partake today, I'm grasping the grace that the thief grasped. And so there's the thief's saviour. What answer did this man receive from his wonderful desire and wonderful faith? He received, friends, a divine vow. You know, Jesus doesn't just say, you shall be with me. He... <clears throat> he, he uh, preludes his words with this by taking an oath. Verily I say unto thee, as if he was in a court or on a throne and pronouncing, making a decree. In truth I say, by the truth I say unto thee. It's an oath. Just like the oath in the Psalms where it says, "Eh, Thou art a priest forever. God spoke with an oath. And here is God eh, declaring with all the divine authority, Verily, thou shalt be with me. That's the way Christ clinches your salvation. He has vowed you be there. It's the divine vow. It's also the divine view. He gives this man a picture of them traveling side by side into the glory to come. He says to that dying thief in the darkness, before much sorrow, he said, Look, friend. We'll be in there, we'll be marching in, together, with me, the divine view. And what else does this thief receive? Friend, what a gift, what a treasure. (laughs) That thief had been trying to steal this and that, and his hands were empty, set for the nails of judgment. But he received, he received this treasure, a view of being with Christ, which is far better. And thirdly, the the thief saviour was seen in this. It was a divine victory, a divine vow, a divine view, a divine victory today. In other words, we're on the battlefield, but I've got the victory in my grasp. I'm conquering. I'm not defeated. I'm not staying on this cross because I can't come down. I'm staying here because I want to be here. Because this is the position where I can conquer death, conquer Satan, conquer sin, and open the gate of heaven. And so I'm saying, it's today, it's happening now. Ah friends, your salvation is as sure today as it will be in the ages of eternity. Because it rests. It rests on the vow that Christ has made. It rests on the price and the work that he's done and the conquest that he has made. And so, friends... With these things in mind, we shall move on and sing in Psalm 119 at verse 81. Psalm 119 at verse 81 to 86. My soul for thy salvation faints, yet I thy word believe. Mine eyes fail for thy word, I say, when wilt thou comfort give? For like a bottle I'm become that in the smoke is set, I'm black and parched with grief, yet I thy statutes not forget. How many are thy servant's days? When wilt thou execute just judgment on those wicked men that do me persecute? The proud have digged pits for me which is against thy laws thy words all faithful are help me pursued without a cause <clears throat> these verses 81 to 86 my soul for thy salvation faints. <coughs> my soul for thy Now to the fencing of the table, and again we will look at the words of Christ. We look in Matthew's Gospel now, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. 41, likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others, himself he cannot save, if he be the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli. Lama, Sabathani, let us say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Friends, we take up this solemn, heart cry of the Saviour, to remind us of the solemnity that this table speaks of. There's a division made by this table. That's why we call it a fence, the fencing of the table. It's the separation between those in the table and outside the table. Of course, we know there are those outside who should be in the But there are those who shouldn't be here at the table. And and because of that, they are partaking not of the grace, but of the condemnation of Christ. There's a warning here, friends. This will be our experience if we are not what we should be. Believers in the salvation of God. He is here echoing the cry that will arise from our throats throughout eternity. Mm -hmm. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Perhaps we can see three things here. It's a a cry of abandonment. Wouldn't it be terrible for you if you were crying in abandonment? From that judgment seat, you were thrust forever from the presence of the Lord. Doesn't it make you hanker to be numbered with the people of God, to know in your heart, I'm not abandoned? I'm not among that condemnation. I'm not with that thief who cursed to, the, to his last breath. And so Christ is here expressing what it's like. He was experiencing our hell. And it was this sense, overwhelming sense, of being abandoned by God. We don't believe that he was abandoned because we believe that the Father and the Son in their divine persons cannot be separated. Nevertheless, in his human experience, he felt as if God had turned his back because God was treating him as the vilest sinner should be treated. Any sinner will be treated We'll be abandoned by him because we have abandoned, we've refused, (coughs) we've refused him, we've been like those who've said we will not have this man. There's the abandonment, there's also this friends, there's the answer demanded, why? Why? Isn't this amazing? the word that was made flesh, the source of all knowledge and wisdom. It seems became ignorant. He couldn't understand at this hour why it was so bad. Here he was making himself a sacrifice and yet it seems as if it wasn't being accepted at this hour because... He had to be treated like the scapegoat that was carried away in the wilderness to carry away the sins of his people. If that sin was to be taken from us, it must be carried away by our Saviour. And so he was taken without the camp, bearing our reproach. And so he had this sensation And you will have this sensation too. You'll be left in ignorance. Oh, so you'll know that you're a sinner. I know somebody that's rejected the, the gospel these days I hope that she'll come back. But she's saying, Why should God allow me to experience this? And um, those in hell will not understand altogether why they're there but they'll feel the abandonment and they'll be left in ignorance their minds their minds will be darkened and they'll be left with this fearful sense of why is it like this why, why no answer will be given to them and the third thing friends is the lack of assurance doubters Jesus was saying why as if he doubted he couldn't call he didn't say my father my father no he said my God because he was now doubting his sonship is that why we don't come to the table am I really a child of God or am I not Friends, this is something we must settle here and now because it puts us in danger of being forever banished. Oh, ask the Lord. Pray this prayer. Why hast thou forsaken me? Am I? I know you are my God, but am I your child? He was a child, of course. He was the son. And friends... Very, very likely you are a child, but why? <clears throat> you must seek for the assurance that you are adopted into that number. And it's then that you'll gladly come forward and join those who said, I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day and so this table is for those who have come to a persuasion I belong, I am Christ's and he is mine and so with these words we now we will sing from Psalm 118 and we will Set the elements on the table while we sing a few verses.